The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest now. Kinja Lau is Chief China Equity Strategist at Goldman Sachs. With us in our Hong Kong studio, we have only got just over a month left of the year, Kinja, and you're already getting Nomura lowering their forecast for China's economic growth for this year and next. How much of a worry is it when you see those pictures at the Foxconn plant of, of protests that China's COVID zero strategy is very much hampering growth here? Yeah, thanks, Juliet, and it's great to be here. Now, um, I think it's fair to say that the rising COVID cases and the corresponding uh, COVID restrictions have put uh, quite meaningful pressures on the on the economy as a whole. Now, if you look at our full year forecast for this year, we are uh, only looking at three percent growth for Chinese GDP. Um, but I think the picture will look uh, substantially better going into 2023. Our current forecast is 4.5% uh, for the full year, assuming that the reopening impulse will start to kick in in the second half of next year. So just to clarify, we think that um, China will start to reopen or relax, gradually relax its COVID zero strategy or policy starting in second quarter. So. That's a, that's a big doubter. Yeah, well, it's going to be a, a long and protracted, possibly messy reopening. We are just getting the daily COVID case numbers as well, mm-hmm. 29,754, which is the most during the pandemic. So a record there. I mean, uh, that just comes back to, to the complicated picture of, of how all this works and I guess how protracted a reopening would be. What would it look like? It will be a long process, Juliet. Um, I, and I think... Obviously, it's subject to a lot of uncertainty and different variables, how the virus will play it out from here in terms of mutation and how quickly can China ramp up uh, the, the necessary uh, infrastructure in terms of medical support uh, to contain the COVID situation. But I guess uh, when it comes to the equity market, one thing that we are pretty, uh, I would say, uh, pretty sure about is market is always forward-looking. And as long as we are getting more policy signal or signpost that China is moving away from kind of zero COVID regime, then I think the market will start to to do better uh, going into 2023. And one thing that I just want to highlight here, as you mentioned, we are now seeing record high COVID cases reported by the authorities. Um, And if you look at the cities that are designated as medium to high risks area, uh, they represent more than 50% of the economy in terms of GDP. But the actual disruption to the economy is mm. actually lower than where we were um, about few, uh, six months ago when Shanghai was in broad lockdown. 
So let's talk about some of your picks. I noticed one of your colleagues has upgraded Country Garden to neutral, but at the same time, your chief economist told us yesterday that the zero-tolerance approach to combating infections is actually going to curb the benefits that we're expecting from that 16-point property plan to support the sector. How do you view uh, the property players going into 2023? No, from a fundamental um, perspective, uh, we remain relatively cautious on the actual housing market activity going into next year. So our current forecast uh, continues to suggest that nationwide property sales will be down 10% in 2023 after kind of uh, correcting like 30-40% so far in this year. Now, uh, the 10% uh, drop will likely be driven mainly by um, uh, volume declined, but prices uh, essentially staying flat on our forecast. So the, the big picture here is that we're not expecting any sort of near-term recovery in housing activity um, at, at least going into next year. But the reason why we are turning a little bit more positive on the asset market side of things is because, uh, as you mentioned, the 16 policy measures just came out just a week ago. Essentially, we think that uh, these measures will help reduce the left-tail risks that are embedded in asset markets, whether it's equities or fixed incomes or credits. So essentially help these securities to be rated to a more uh, reasonable level from a longer-term fundamental uh, outlook standpoint. So a 16% forecast return for MSCI China Index and the CSI 300 next year, you know, you could argue coming off potentially some low bases there. What what sectors are going to outperform here? I think on, on a more tactical or cyclical basis, we like um, the reopening beneficiaries story. Um, so we have a, we have up, actually upgraded a number of consumer-related sectors to overweight for market weight, including consumer services, medical services, and at the same time, retaining our overweight stands on online retailing and consumer staples. So in the grand scheme of things, it's more like a, a very heavy tilt to the consumer sectors to really start 2023 in anticipation of uh, the reopening um, expectation that we just talked about. Um, but on a longer term basis, we think that you have to align your portfolio with policy directions in China to make some money in the equity market. Mm. Uh, so in that sense, we, we, we have been highlighting a theme, what we call as Chinese little giants, basically are small mid-caps emerging companies residing in strategically important sectors for China long-term growth, such as cap goods, new materials, semiconductor and hardware, uh, technology hardware. What about where we see the, the movement of the yuan and how that kind of is, I guess, a risk for Chinese exports in the long run? Well, um, I think the... the I, I would say on looking at just the RMB versus the dollar, which is obviously the key cross that many investors look at, we expect a little further downside from here or depreciation pressures for the RMB in the next three months as we expect the Fed will not um, finish the hiking cycle until May next year. But after that, we think there could be some uh, moderate appreciation potential for the RMB, particularly given the uh, reopening impulse that we are forecasting to take place in second half of next year. Um, so I think <clears throat> that continues to put um, the RMB at a relatively competitive level uh, in the meantime. Um, so. Uh, yen depreciation or won depreciation or depreciation, I don't think that's uh, too much of a concern to how we think about the export competitiveness for China. 
And just very quickly, China signalling this likely triple R cut to aid the growth. When could we see that? Well, uh, if you look at the past few um, uh, episodes, uh, usually after the policymakers hinted uh, about uh, potential triple cuts or interest rate cuts, that cut will uh, would normally come two or three days after after that uh, policy signal. So we mm. expect uh, something to be announced probably today or over the weekend. Kinja, always a pleasure. Thank you. Kinja Lau is Chief China Equity Strategist at Goldman Sachs with us in our Hong Kong studio. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.